Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of our one Wednesday night class studying the Parashat HaShavua through the lens of Hasidut. Today we're going to explore a very, very important subject, specifically the subject of Yisurin, the subject of affliction, how we are to deal with affliction, how to go about it, why is affliction important. We're going to build uh, up towards that. We begin tonight with the episode of Yitzchak and Avimelech. Avimelech we've seen before. He was met by Abraham and uh, not too long ago. And Yitzchak, Avinu, and, Av- and Avimelech come together. And indeed, Avimelech finds disliking to Yitzchak. He wants to kick him out of his city because Yitzchak became much too wealthy for them. So Pasuk writes, Avimelech tells Yitzchak, leave our city because you are wealthy. You are too wealthy. And Yitzchak left the city of Gerar, where Avimelech was king over, and he moved to another city called Nachal Gerar. And then Yitzchak moved to Be'er Sheva. And then all of a sudden, Avimelech comes to visit Yitzchak. And Yitzchak is, you know, wondering, what are you doing here? Why do you even come here? You hated me. You kicked me out of your city. You want nothing to do with me. Avimelech responded that I want to make a pact. I want to make peace between you and I. Peace treaty. To promise that they're not going to hurt each other. And Yitzchak obliged. Avimelech's hatred of Yitzchak was seen in several ways. One, he sent Yitzchak away like I mentioned. He didn't allow him to live in the city of Gerar. Number two, his servants plugged up and sometimes even stole the wells that belonged to Yitzchak. Three, Avimelech even tried to kill Yitzchak, as we're going to explain now. Avimelech said to Abraham in previous parasha, Don't do bad to us as we didn't touch you. It seems that he should have said, don't do bad to us as we didn't do bad to you. That should be the peace treaty. You don't do bad to us, we didn't do bad to you. But Avimel says, as we didn't touch you. And the Balturim says that this implies that Avimelech wanted to harm Yitzchak, but he failed. The end of the Pasuk says that Avimelech told Yitzchak, Ata, ata beruch Hashem. You are now the blessed one of Hashem. The word Baruch Hashem, that we say so often, Baruch Hashem, these words were actually first said by Lavan when he invited Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, into their home. And Lavan said to Eliezer, Bo Baruch Hashem, Bo Beruch Hashem. The Baal Aturim explains these words, Baruch Hashem, that we see in these two instances, hint to us that just like Betuel and Lavan tried to poison Eliezer in last week's parasha, Avimelech also tried to kill Yitzchak, but failed. So Avimelech wanted to make a peace treaty with Yitzchak. But wasn't this a bad time to bring it up? You just tried to kill the guy. Now all of a sudden you're going to bring up a peace treaty? What's happening? Wouldn't it be wiser to conceal your thoughts at this point? So we can explain the following. Avimelech was telling Yitzchak the following message. I tried to harm you many times. I tried to really destroy you. I commanded that we steal your water. 
We banished you from Gerat. I even tried to murder you. But Hashem turned everything around for some reason and gave you immense success and wealth. Rashi explains that as Yitzchak became greater and greater, wealthier and wealthier, people were saying that it's better to have the manure of Yitzchak's mules than the gold and silver of Avimelech. That's how much he'd rather be with Yitzchak. So therefore, Avimelech said to himself, I now understand that no one could go against Hashem's plan. If Hashem wants to protect someone and grant him success, no one can act against that will. And therefore, the same applies to me. If Hashem wants to protect me, you won't be able to harm me. So we might as well make a peace treaty together. Avimel said to Yitzchak, ki Hashem imach. We saw and we saw that Hashem is with you. What is Ra'o Ra'inu? We saw and we saw. A double expression of seeing. Avimel was saying, We saw when you were successful and we saw when you were going through hard times. But Hashem was always Hashem imach. You, Hashem was with you. You remained with your emunah in Hashem. And therefore I can't harm you. Because if a Jew believes in Hashem, nothing bad can happen to him. Avimelech tried to harm Yitzchak many, many times, but Hashem turned everything around and granted Yitzchak incredible success. This is the way Hashem deals with the Jewish nation. They go through hard times, and in the end, all of those hardships become the source of immense chesed and success. When Yitzchak blessed Yaakov in this week's parasha, he said, Those who curse you shall be cursed, and those who bless you shall be blessed. Rashi says that the Pasuk discusses those who curse before those who bless the Jewish nation. And the reason is because Tzadikim, the righteous, they first endure Yisurim, affliction, and then they have tranquility. Therefore, those who curse the Tzadikim, those that curse the Jewish nation, precede those who bless them. That is why Yitzchak mentioned the curses before the blessers. The curses and the hardships come first, but soon afterwards, the blessings arrive. Question is, why do Tzadikim need to be cursed at all? If they're, if they're going to curse, why, why is it a given that they're going to be cursed? Why must it be that Resha'im will curse the Jewish nation? The answer is because it's good for the Tzadikim to endure curses and suffering from the Resha'im. Because Hashem then turns those around for the benefit of the Jewish people. And it becomes a chesed towards them, chasadim towards them. When hardships come to the Jewish nation, it becomes hasadim. It becomes amazing things. Ach tov vachesed yirdefuni kol yemei David Amer says in Tehilim, Ach tov vachesed, that good and kindness came, yirdefuni kol yemei Yirdefuni, because people were chasing me, because there were the opposition, the reshaim, who chased the Jewish nation, the result is much good and kindness comes. There's a Gemara Masechet Ta'anit said in the name of Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananiah. It says, Literally, Rabbi Yoshua was saying is that a person needs humility in order to grow properly in Torah. And therefore, it's much better when Torah scholars aren't beautiful, when they're ugly. So they're beautiful, they care too much about their looks, they care too much about material things. So therefore, he said, if they were ugly, it would be better for them. But we can also translate the word sane, which here translates ugly, as hated. And Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah was saying, if the Chachamim are hated, 
which means they have opposition from Rishayim, they will succeed even more. That same chapter in Tehilim that we mentioned, which means that Hashem leads me on good paths and He always performs kindness with me. The word Yancheni can be read backward and forwards. If you spell it backwards and forwards, it spells the same thing, Yancheni. This hints that even when matters seem backwards and wrong, it's still all for the good. Yisurim, affliction is for our benefit. But a person needs to learn how to accept the Yisurim with love and joy. The mashal of a car. A car is a wonderful invention. It helps people get quickly to where they need to go. But before they drive a car, a person has to know the rules of driving the car. A person needs to know how to drive the car. If he doesn't know these matters, then God forbid, the car can be a very dangerous tool. So same thing with Yisurim, affliction. It helps us come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the path of Dvekut Pashem is quickened, is hastened considerably. But a person needs to know how to accept this affliction. He needs to know how to accept it with love and joy, believing that everything is for the good. And only then is the Yisurim beneficial. Uh, the once a little story of a drummer who was playing in a band. And he fell asleep on the job. I guess he had too much to drink. And the head of the band came and smacked him on the back of the head. And the drummer, he woke up and he started drumming along with the song like he was at the beginning. What do we see from here? He was slapped, but he drums joyously. Even when you go through hard times, you pick yourself up. You remain happy. And to be happy, you must believe that all is for the good. Unbelievable story about a person who had the mahala, the can- a cancer, and his immune system was compromised due to the treatments. And when corona hit, COVID-19, when it broke out around Purim time last year, his doctor warned him to be very, very cautious that he doesn't catch the disease because his body is too weak to fight it off. He was very cautious as much as possible, and he kept away from people. He washed his hands. He wore a mask. Unfortunately, he still contracted the virus. And as the doctor predicted, it wasn't easy for his body to fight the disease. He needed a respirator. And for a few days, his life was hanging on a thread. But Baruch Hashem, the virus left the body. Then the miracle occurred. The antibodies that fought off the virus also attacked the cancer. He was healed from both diseases. Now, this story is not meant to encourage people who are sick with cancer to try and catch the virus. That's something for doctors to determine, not us. But we, this story is being said to bring across the point that when something negative happens, it could very much be a positive. When the person in the story caught the virus, which he tried so hard to avoid, he and his family thought it was terrible, thought it was horrible. However, this problem ended up being the critical cure that he needed. Similarly, when we go through challenging moments in our lives, we must know that it's all for the good. Another story of a man who published a book. And this book was meant for, for Jewish principles, principles in the Jewish day school system. And he was distributing this, uh, th- this book. Um, and the principles who bought this book would distribute it to, I guess, certain students. There was one organization that wanted to make a very large order of this book to distribute the books to their friends and supporters. 
But the head of the organization said he couldn't buy the books without a proper receipt. It had to be sold legally because they're a legal uh, company, a legal institution. Now, this guy who published a book, you know, this was like a side uh, venture for him. He didn't have a business, couldn't provide him with a receipt. He was just taking cash from people. After he made some inquiries, he decided, okay, I'm going to open up a small business. It cost him a little bit of money to go to the bank and open up a business and a bank account, so on and so forth. And he made official, and he wrote receipts to this organization and to several principals who wanted to buy the book because he needed to prove that they made this purchase. This happened last year in December. Soon after, again, COVID-19 pandemic hit, and the government was distributing monthly grants to small businesses in Israel to help them during this challenging time. And this man legally opened his business just two months before the virus outbreak. And he had several invoices. And because of that, it was sufficient for him to be eligible for the monthly grant. So we see the guy was going through financial difficulties as many small businesses do during during this pandemic. And this monthly bonus, this stipend by the government, helped him immensely. So we learn two stories here. Number one, Hashem gives Parnassah sometimes from the most unexpected places. But more importantly, number two, although you might think something is negative, it's actually for the good. This guy thought that it was an unnecessary expense and he had to go get legal papers to open up this small business, but it was for his benefit. He made him eligible for the grant. The story of Rav Pinchas Weinstock, who escaped together with his parents and siblings from the Nazis. And to support themselves during their escape, they took along chickens and they would eat the eggs that came from the chickens. And they would do jobs along the way wherever possible. The father would bake and sell bagels. They passed many cities and countries during their escape. And four years later, they found themselves in France. The war didn't reach France yet. And they were happy. They thought they were saved from the Nazis. But then, Rav Pinchas, who at the time was 20 years old, caught the contagious and deadly disease of typhus. The family was devastated. After everything they went through to save their lives, now their son, Rav Pinchas, might die from this disease. And he declared, and he prayed to Hashem, for four years I was running away from the Nazis, trying to save my life. If you desire that I die and return my soul to you, so be it. I accept your decree with love. Rapinchas was in the hospital in a quarantine ward for months. He was delirious. He didn't know what in the world was happening outside that closed ward. He didn't know that the Germans attacked France and that the lives of the Jews in France were in danger. And by the time he recovered, he looked for his family, but he discovered that they were all deported to Auschwitz. He was the only survivor of the family. This disease which everyone thought was a terrible problem, proved to be his ticket for life, his ticket to survival. He lived until he was 100 years old, and he had children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, all following the ways of the Torah. And he would often repeat this story, telling his family that even when we think things are bad, they're really for the best. There was a young American couple who decided that in the end, uh, I take that back, an elderly American couple who decided at the end of their lives they wanted to live in Eretz Israel. Their final years in the Holy Land. And a few years back, the wife of this couple passed away and she she was buried on Harmen Uchot in Yerushalayim. And her husband 
the widower moved to Kiryat Sefer to live near his children. But his Teudat Zehut, his ID card, still said that he lived in Yerushalayim. And he tried to correct it many times by going to the office, but they couldn't do it. His English, his Hebrew wasn't good. He didn't succeed. Eventually, he just made peace with the fact that his ID card said Yerushalayim and not Kiryat Sefer. Then he passed away. And the family sent a copy of his ID papers to the Hebra Kadisha on Har Menuchot. And the Hebra Kadisha sold them a plot next to his wife. And he was buried there. But the family later discovered that they experienced a miracle. What was a miracle? Because there was an extreme shortage of burial plots on Har Menuchot, the Hebra Kadisha at the time only allotted plots for residents of Yerushalayim. Had their father's ID stated that he lived in Kiryat Sefer, he wouldn't have been buried next to his wife. So this elderly person thought that it was a problem when he couldn't correct his ID papers, but it was for his good. There's a mashal of an elephant who asked a mouse, why is it that you're running all over the place? Why are you always rushing? And the mouse replied, there's a cat that's trying to catch me. So what did the elephant do with his trunk? He poured a glob of earth and mud on top of the mouse. And the mouse hid underneath and the cat ran right by it. But then the cat returned, studied the mound and noticed the the mouse's tail sticking out. With one swipe, the cat pulled the mouse out of the dirt. It's the mashal. What's in the mashal? It reminds us that when someone throws dirt on you, it doesn't always mean that he's seeking harm. When someone cleans you, doesn't always mean that he's seeking your good. We have to learn to accept the difficulties of life with joy. Sometimes a person thinks that Hashem is piling on top of him a mountain of tzarot, a mountain of difficulties, but it's always for his benefit. Maybe because of these tzarot, your life will be saved or you'll gain some benefit. It's always for the good. Let's talk a little bit about the benefits of affliction, the benefits of Yisurim. The Chazon Ish writes, Chazon Ish once wrote someone that was going through a tough time. He wrote in his letter, you know, you should know Yisurim, affliction, is beloved to the person who sees them as Hashem's messengers to strengthen his connection with Hashem. To elevate that person to a world that is solely light, distant from the poles of the body. Fortunate is this person that has affliction. Yitzchak, in this week's parasha, went blind in his old age. The pasuk tells us, Vahi kizaken Yitzchak vatichena enav mereot. Why did this happen? Why did Yitzchak go blind? The Midrash tells us that at the time of Matan Torah on Har Sinai, Nadav and Avihu, who were the older two sons of Aaron Cohen and the 70 Zekenim, the 70 elders, they gazed at the Shekhinah. They looked up at God's presence without proper Derech Eretz. The Pasuk tells us, They saw Hashem and they ate and drank. And the Midrash writes, this can be compared to a slave who's serving his master and at the t- same time takes a bite from the meal that he's serving him. It's not Derech Eretz. Nadav and Aviyu and the 70 Zekenim looked at Hashem by Matan Torah without proper Derech Eretz, they deserve to die. 
But Hashem didn't want to ruin the joy of the moment. At that moment, they were receiving the Torah. It would have been horrible, it would have been devastating if they would have died at that time. So their deaths were postponed at a later date. Nadav and Aviu were niftar. They died the day the Mishkan was erected. And the 70 elders died by the Mitonenim, those that complained, the complainers in Parashat Ba'alotcha. Our rabbis explain that by the Akedah, when Abraham took Yitzchak and wanted to slaughter him, the Shekhinah was right there. Yitzchak also looked up at the Shekhinah. He looked up at God's presence. Looking at the Shekhinah can be punishable by death, like I just explained. The death sentence, however, for this great tzaddik was exchanged for other types of affliction. The Gemara tells us, There are four people who are considered like dead. Ani umetzora vesuma umisheen lo banim. Ani are paupers, poor people. Metzoraz are people stricken with leprosy or skin disease. Suma are the blind. And misheen lo banim are the childless. For 23 years after the Akedah, Yitzchak was childless. This was in his favor because it was in place of a death sentence. Because being childless is like dead. Rahman al-Islam. And then afterward, Yitzchak had Yaakov and Esav. Now the death sentence was exchanged with blindness because a blind person is also considered dead because he's dependent on everyone. He's never, he can never be independent. So we have to learn from here to be happy with every situation that Hashem prepares for us because although it might seem bad, it's for our good. It is shielding us from something much worse. Someone once complained to the stipler Gaon about his many debts that he owed so much money. And the Gaon told him, perhaps if you didn't have these tzarot in your life, you wouldn't be alive at all. Maybe these debts were given to you instead of death. Debts instead of death. It's like a kapara. So the man said that from that conversation he had with the stipler Gaon, he's had a whole new refreshing outlook in life. Instead of complaining over his lot, he rejoiced that Hashem was saving him from the worst problems imaginable. The Gemara in Masechet Rosh Hashanah tells us of a miracle that happened on the 3rd of Tishrei. Now I know the 3rd of Tishrei nowadays is commemorated as a Tzom Gedalia, as a fast for the um, assassination of Gedalia ben Achikam. But in the time of the Gemara, it was actually celebrated the rabbis declared it a Yom Tov. This is prior to the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. They, de- they declared it a Yom Tov. And it's related to the story of Hanukkah. Again, this only took place until the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. It's related to the story of Hanukkah. How so? One of the decrees that the Greeks placed on the Jewish nation was that they weren't allowed to say Hashem's name. Saying the name of Hashem, Yud Kevavke, Alev Dalad Nun Yud, wasn't allowed. And when the Hashmonaim miraculously won the war, they enacted a law that Hashem's name should be written even on the legal documents. So they wrote on the document, on the Shitar, year so and so to Yohanan Kohen Gadol Le El Elion. El Elion is the name of Hashem, Aleph Lamid is the name of Hashem. So this idea quickly caught on and everyone was so happy that they could now write, not only could they say Hashem's name, they could write on the documents. 
But this idea, which was established by regular people, maybe even government officials, but it wasn't discussed with the Chachamim, with the sages. When the rabbis heard about the new way to write documents, they disapproved. They said, it's not a good idea. You know why? Because what's going to happen? Tomorrow, the debt that's written on this document is going to be paid up. And this document is going to be torn to shreds and thrown into the garbage. It's better that Hashem's name shouldn't be written on the documents. So now we're going to have a whole bunch of documents being ripped up and thrown out. It has Hashem's name? Horrible. So now, big problem. Because hard to change something that you're accustomed to. The nation had been used to writing Hashem's name on the documents. They were passionate about it. Yet, they accepted the Chachamim's rule. And in all Jewish communities, they stopped writing the documents with Hashem's name. The rabbi said and considered that the fact that this was done so quickly, that there was vast acceptance of this their new law, it was a miracle. And they declared the third of Tishrei a Yom Tov, the day that people stopped writing Hashem's name on documents. So someone asked a question. They could have wrote their name on money. Why didn't they write Hashem's name on money? Nobody throws out money. In fact, what does the American dollar bill have on it? In God we trust. Some say that's one of the reasons why uh, American economy has always been so strong. Because they have God on their, on their money. In God we trust. Why didn't they have a law to write God's name on their money? The answer, beautiful. It isn't hard to believe in Hashem when you have money. When you have money, everyone believes in Hashem. Everyone's doing well. I love God. Everything's going perfect for me. The challenge is to believe in Hashem when you start taking loans. When you start have to write documents of, of, of debt and things that you owe. They wanted to write Hashem's name on the debts to remember that even then, Hashem is with us. There are some benefits for Yisurim. Sometimes it's a protection, far worse than punishment. And what seems to be a significant problem today might be the greatest kindness in the future. Among the benefit of Yisurim, is that, of affliction, is that it enables us to reach Olam Haba. If a person lives a life without any affliction, it's actually not a good thing. He isn't eligible for Olam Haba. The rabbis tell us in Masechet Eruchin, Kol she'avru alav arba'im yom belo yisurin kibel olamo. Whoever goes 40 days without any affliction has received his reward in this world. And that's not good because then you won't receive any reward in the next world. Now Gemara says that this is solely when a person lives a, a tranquil, perfect life without any hardships at all. But if he, even if he has very, very minor hardships and affliction... He doesn't forfeit his portion of Olam Abba. And the Gemara actually gives examples of what these minor forms of Yisurim are. For example, let's say um, a tailor made clothes for you or fixed your clothes, but it doesn't fit him perfectly according to your taste. That's a form of minor Yisurim. You wanted a hot drink, but someone poured you a cold drink. right? You went and you ordered something from a restaurant and they gave you the wrong order. That is Yisurim. You accidentally put your clothes inside out. Now he has to take them off and dress again. That's Yisurim. 
he put his hands in his pocket and he wanted to take out uh, a quarter, but instead he took out a nickel. So he's got to put his hand back in his pocket and take out a quarter. All these things are called minor yisurim. And there's a good thing. Because if you didn't have that, then you would have reaped all your reward on this in this world. The Gemara states in Masechet Sanhedrin, the Rabbi Eliezer was sick and his students came to visit him. Performed the mitzvah bikur cholim. And he told him, This world is very hot. And Rashi explains that Rabbi Eliezer was saying that Hashem is angry at me. And he gave me a lot of Yisurim. He gave me a lot of affliction. And the students began to cry when they heard this. And Rabbi Akiva, who was next to them, he started laughing. The students asked Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, why are you laughing? Rabbi Akiva said, why are you crying? So they told him, a sefer Torah, in reference to Rabbi Eliezer, a sefer Torah is in distress. We shouldn't cry. And Rabbi Akiva said, that's exactly why I'm happy. I used to be concerned that Rabbi Eliezer may lose his portion in Olam Haba because he had a perfect Olam Hazeh. His wine never turned to vinegar. His flax never ruined in a storm. His oils didn't spoil. His honey didn't rot. But now I see that Rabbi Eliezer was afflicted in this world. And I know he's going to receive Olam Abba. And that's why I'm happy. That's why I'm laughing. Rabbi Eliezer looked at Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, is there anything in the Torah I didn't keep? And Rabbi Akiva looks at him and he says, Rabbi, you're the one who taught us. Adam en tzadik ba'aretz asher tov velo There is no human in this world who does solely good and never sins. This Gemara teaches us that when a person has a perfect life, he might not receive Olam Abbas. So Rabbi Akiva was saying, you probably did something small wrong, but it was enough to give you affliction. And because you have affliction, now you can go into Olam Abbas. Avimelech, like we started, Avimelech's men were stealing Yitzchak's wells. And finally, Yitzchak's servants dug a well, which Yitzchak called Rechovot. And there was peace. After that well, there was peace. No one was trying to steal it. Yitzchak said, Ki Hashem lanu Now Hashem has broadened our portion. We all have prosper in the land. And after so many years of distress and fighting with these guys, he finally had tranquility and success. What does Yitzchak do right after that? Vaya'al misham be'er shava. Yitzchak picks up, takes everything he has, and he goes to Be'er Sheva. And the Mefarshim ask, Yitzchak finally succeeded in having a well. He's no longer at war with these guys trying to steal everything he has. He's finally prosperous in Eretz Yisrael. Why did he leave everything behind to go to Be'er Sheva? Rav Shimon Schwab, Zecher Tzadik Livacha, answers, you want to know why? Because Yisurim, affliction, helps us remember Hashem. Yitzchak was afraid that since everything was going so well for him, he might forget HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why he left his perfect life and moved elsewhere. Khatam Sofer answers, 
that because of Yitzchak's tranquility and success, he was concerned that he might lose his portion in Olam Abba. So therefore, Yitzchak undertook a self-imposed galut, and he moved to Beersheba. I'm exiling myself to a different place where I don't have anything. And after Yitzchak went to Beersheba, Hashem came to him in a dream, and he told him, Al tira ki techa nochi. Don't be afraid because I'm with you. Hashem was telling Yitzchak, even if you have a perfect olam hazeh, you're not going to lose your olam abba. What does this mean? The Gemara Masechet Babatra says, Shelosha hit'iman HaKadosh Baruch Hu ba'olam hazeh me'en ha'olam abba. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave a taste of olam haba in this world to three people. Eluhen. These are the three people. Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Most people are not able to enjoy a perfect life in this world and then expect to receive Olam Abba. So therefore, Yisurin is something we have to accept because they're good for us. They're good for the long term. The exception is the Avot. Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. They are able to live an ideal life in this world and yes, receive Olam Abba. The Avot were all blessed with kol, everything. Vashem berach Abraham bakol. By Yitzchak it says, Va'ochal mikol. And Yaakov it says, Yesh li kol. And that's why we say in Birkat Amazon, Ba'kol mikol kol. And Rashi says, Kol here means, Lo chasru shum tovah. They didn't lack anything. Life was perfect for them, even in this world. And yet, they didn't lessen their reward in Olam Abba. We are not on the level of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov although we strive to be, and therefore we have to find the ability to accept the Yisurin in the best way possible and understand that they are for our benefit and whatever is negative in our life will turn out to be a positive. And even if that's difficult to comprehend, even if it's so bleak and you say to yourself, why am I going through this? Keep one point of knowledge in the back of your mind. It is through this that you're going to get your Olam Abba. It has to be through this. Because if you lived a perfect life, you sacrificed that. And therefore, this idea, this uh, concept of Yisurin, and even Yisurin Shel Ahava, as discussed in the Gemara, is so, so fundamental to a Jewish person's life. It's not easy. It's easier said with the, than done. But nevertheless, every day, we experience Yisurin all over, all over us. Traffic getting to work, traffic coming back from work, getting caught in the rain, walking home from synagogue, freezing cold, walking to synagogue. You lost your glove. You lost your phone. Your phone doesn't work. Screen. Cr- all these things are just little forms of Yisurin. And extend, instead of complaining and looking up to God and saying, "Ah, why me? Why this?" Say thank you so much because I know that through this small minor hardship that I'm experiencing right now, it's preventing a lot worse from taking place in my life. If we have that attitude, we would live a much more happier, contentful life. Wishing everyone a wonderful night. All the best. The Finding Holiness podcast has been brought to you by Eli's Fine Foods. Serving the greater Toronto area for over 25 years, Eli's has been a staple in the kosher food industry, offering catering and takeout options in locations across the city. For more information, check out their website at elisfinefoods.com. 
To sponsor an episode or tour class, email us at findingholiness at gmail.com or support us directly using the link atop the webpage at findingholiness.buzzsprout.com.